David's Daily Digital Dollop, Dollop 290, Staff and Nonsense. Apologies for the reverberance of this room. It's got a very unpleasant kind of reverb, hasn't it? I know you're all thinking that, so apologies for that. But let me tell you, the quality of today's dollop more than makes up for any acoustic irritation. I am writing today's dollop from a primary school staff room in Preston. How's that for an opening sentence? Ouch! Oh, sorry, did you just get hooked? If you haven't been keeping up with the dollops, then you might be a bit confused as to what I'm doing in a primary school staff room. Don't worry, the teachers do know that I am here. I've started performing the school assembly circuit, having been asked by a number of head teachers to deliver my dollops, which have been recognised for their educational content. After all, they are essentially modern-day parables. Today's assembly focuses on my 37th dollop, entitled Young Hungarian Gay Fat Boys and Watery Cat Feces, which interestingly is my most popular dollop of all, according to my website stats. I know what you're probably thinking right now, but don't worry. Obviously, I don't just read the dollops out. Oh no, I also get the children heavily involved in the experience, getting them to play the various parts of the story. The young girl playing the part of the watery cat feces was especially good. I was so impressed, in fact, that I called her mother and told her that her daughter was a proper little shit. Sadly, her mother seemed a little bit pissed off. I guess some parents just don't see the value of acting and don't think it'll lead to a proper job. It's a shame, though, because next week we're doing Dollop 265, entitled My Housemate's Pierced Penis, and I was planning on giving her the star role, the main part, if you will. Sadly, in reality, schools have not yet realised the value and potential of my dollops to educate children. However, if there are any head teachers reading this, then feel free to get in touch. There are all sorts of dollop-based exercises that I could get the children to do, such as a team-building task where students have 11 hours to try and boil the kettle over Wi-Fi. The real reason that I'm in a Preston Primary School staff room is because I'm doing a songwriting project in Lancashire schools. Again, you might have assumed that this was a commission inspired by the dollops after the school's music department got wind of my incredible musical masterpieces, such as Psycho's World, Thrill Me Kill Me, and of course, the remarkably innovative an original dollop theme tune. But again, my solo work has failed to garner the attention of the education sector as of yet, so I've had to accept work with the other two young'uns. Currently, there is a detective mystery taking place in the staff room. There has been a bit of a fight in the school, and the teachers have asked those involved to write an account of what happened. The teachers also collected a number of witness reports as well. You don't say also and as well in the same sentence, David. Shoddy writing. And to think there might have been a head teacher there who was thinking, you know, the quality of this writing is unbelievable. We're going we're gonna to get David in to teach, do a special school project, and now I might have ruined that. But at least I've, I've pointed it out. I'm aware of my grammatical error there. And actually, that's quite good because I can point out that grammatical error to the children so they can learn by my example there. So the teachers have also collected a number of witness reports as well. And we are all in the staff room picking through the evidence and trying to deduce what actually might have happened. It's a really interesting exercise. The written accounts of what happened and why the people involved acted in the way that they did makes for fascinating reading. He called me a moron, so I pushed him. Then he pushed me, so I pushed him. Then he pushed me again, so I pushed him again. Then he kicked me. Then I kicked him. Then I walked off, but then he stuck out his tongue at me, so I punched him.
To be honest, I'm getting sick of Michael and Sean bickering like this. It's especially embarrassing in front of the kids. I'm hoping that this method of writing their account down will make them reconsider their actions. So far, it's only made things worse because Sean is using his songwriting skills to turn his written account into a rather scathing, yet admittedly very catchy ditty about Michael. This caused Michael to cry, I want my mummy! I've told him that I wish he wouldn't call me this when we're in public. It's just meant to be a little bit of a kinky thing that we enjoy privately. But it's not appropriate in front of other people. Certainly not in school. I'm not sure we're going to be invited back, to be honest. No, obviously that was just me being hilarious there. The altercation just described there was actually one of the children's written accounts of what happened. The two children have just been summoned into the staff room and the teachers have told them that they should be ashamed of themselves. You're meant to be children, but quite frankly, you're behaving like a couple of UKIP MEPs. This denouncement from the teacher immediately brought the two children to their senses and they agreed to be friends and both take responsibility for the event. The teacher said that she was proud of them for their grown-up attitude and at least they eventually took responsibility for their punch-up. Unlike UKIP MEP Steve Wolfe and Michael Hookham, the appropriately named Hookham, who both agreed that the whole thing was essentially the fault of immigrants before toddling off together to the pub for a pint like proper English blokes. At the start of today's dollop, I joked that I was performing my dollops on the school assembly circuit. While this isn't true, one of my anecdotes was used by a head teacher of a secondary school in his assembly. And I shall tell you about that in tomorrow's dollop, dollop 291. David's Daily Digital Dollop, dollop 291. So the majority of today's dollop will come from a young'uns gig in 2011. And it's a little story about my accordion. And it's a story that I told on stage. That was then videoed and put on YouTube. The video was then viewed by a headmaster who decided to use my anecdote in one of his school assemblies. I'll tell you more about that after we've heard the clip. But I think when you hear the clip, it's quite surprising that he heard this video, that he saw this video, and then decided to play this video and use this anecdote as part of his school assembly. I wouldn't necessarily say the content is particularly school assembly friendly, but a liberal headmaster, I think it's safe to say. Anyway, I'll tell you more about that after we've heard the clip from a young'uns gig in 2011. I remember I got dropped off. For the purpose of this story, it's probably explained I can't particularly see very well. So I got uh, dropped off in a taxi, uh, and a, from a taxi driver, dropped me off completely the wrong place um, to where I was meant to be. This is three o'clock in the morning after a folk club, and I had quite a lot to drink. And I was just expecting to literally roll in home. Wasn't really expecting, you know, this, this to be the situation. So, first things first, I was completely uh, desperate for the toilet. I thought, well, before I actually try and work out where the heck I am at three o'clock in the morning, I'll... I need to obviously tackle that problem. Well, I had my accordion with me, but it didn't have a case at the time. So I was, I found a place which I thought was discreet. I mean, again, I'm blind, so my version of discreet is slightly different. So uh, I started going about my business, don't worry. I used to do actions, but then people don't do that anymore. Um, so I went about my business. What was going on? Halfway through my uh, my, I must be. I think I was shaking as it was quite cold, and the billows on my accordion, the billows on the accordion opened, and all of a sudden, and I'm trying to be as discreet as I possibly can. And this is, and then I notice there's a security light comes on above me. Someone opens the window and starts shouting, "Oi!" Oh, this accordion's doing this. So uh, I think, oh, it's the only thing I can do. So before I've had a chance to put it back in the trousers, I'm running down the street, with, trying to. And the accordion's going like this. What the heck people are thinking? So in the end, I managed to phone my dad and, and, and asked him. I said, well, 
you have to come and get me. I've got a clue where I am. So he said, well, from where you're describing, I think I can kind of get it. I mean, I've just put the TV on and there's some uh, reports about <laughs> random men. Um, so anyway, so when we did this place, rather elaborate sort of game almost, where um, he would peep his horn, he was in the car, he'd peep the horn, and if I heard the beep, I would sound the <laughs> so, goodness knows what the name is. It's kind of like an avant-garde form of yobbishness, really. <laughs> okay, so I'm not quite sure how much of the video the head teacher chose to show the children. The first I knew about it was when I was on a bus in Hartlepool, back in Hartlepool, because this was a school in Hartlepool, and I was on a bus, and a kid came up to me, and he said, excuse me, you're David Eagle, aren't you? You have been an inspiration to me. He said, you don't know who I am, but you've been an inspiration to me. He says, I'm 19-year-old now, but when I was 15, things were very different in my life. And one day, a school assembly changed everything. I had no idea what he was talking about, and then he said that they'd been shown the video in their school assembly. And this had really struck a chord with him. Apparently what happened was, as well as showing the video, and I assume he didn't show the indecent exposure bit, <laughs> but I've no idea. But apparently after he showed the video, the teacher then did a big piece on it about how the moral of the story is that basically where there's a will, there's a way. And that we can use our resources. We've got to look at the resources that we have to get the solution that we want and to get ourselves out of predicaments. And apparently that was the lesson that the teacher was trying to instill in these children. And the way he did it was he then said, right, we're going to do a little task now. And he got one volunteer at one side of the hall and another volunteer at the other side of the hall. And he put blindfolds on each of them. And he said, now, you've got to try and find each other. You don't know where you are, but you've got to try and find each other by using the resources that you have. And he handed one of them a recorder or something and the other one a hooter to mirror the sound of the car horn. And they had to listen to each other and work out where they were using the sound. So one of them would play the recorder, and then the other one would play the car horn, the hooter, and they had to try and find each other. And this particular man was the volunteer. And apparently he was really freaked out by it. He was like, oh, I'm going to have a blindfold on and stuff. I, I don't know how I'll feel about this. And apparently he's quite a nervous kid at 15. But he did the challenge, and he found the person. And for whatever reason, this challenge really struck a chord with him. And apparently it was like a massive inspiration for him. And he turned his life around. Apparently he thought, no, I can do the stuff. You know, apparently his parents divorced or something. He didn't feel if he, as if he had really much going for him. But then he thought, no, I do. I've got, you know, if this man who can't see particularly well and he's in the dark, he's lost. Yet he has this idea of horning with the accordion and the car horn. If he can think about solutions, I can think about solutions. And this gave him a massive confidence boost. And he thought, well, I'm going to utilise my resources. And that's what made him think, no, I am going to go to university. I am going to go to university. So he's, on, he's sat on the bus and he's telling me this story. And I, part of me is like completely shocked. But also, I'm sort of stunned by it and think, is it, he's almost like, I'm thinking he's joking. And I'm, I'm sort of laughing. But then he's got, no, no, no. You have been an inspiration. And I'm thinking, well, I don't want to laugh at him because it sounds like I'm belittling his story. So I took him deadly serious and he seemed to be. Um, I mean, it's a bit of an elaborate thing. I mean, it might be that it wasn't such an, a school assembly and he happened to see this video on YouTube. Thought, oh, it's David Eagle from The Youngins. Oh, I'm going to play a little bit of an elaborate joke on this one. But that is quite an elaborate joke. I'm going to follow him onto a bus. I'm going to sit next to him. I'm going to make up this story about a school assembly. So that story that you heard was an inspiration to a teenager. And it's the reason that he went to university. So, my goodness. As I said yesterday... If you are a head teacher or you work in a school and you think that you'd like the dollops as part of your school assembly, 
we can uh, we can discuss. Obviously, it's not going to be free. I mean, I, I you know I, I love the idea of educating children, and, and I know I've got an important story to tell, and I know the children need this in their lives. But quality like this don't come cheap. But feel free to get in touch, and we'll see what we can do. Over the course of doing these dollops, I've received some great comments, many of which from actual genuine dollop readers and listeners, but also quite a few interesting ones from people who have clearly never read a single dollop and are merely spamming. Today, I received a comment from a Guadeloupe Kesselman. Probably not the Guadeloupe Kesselman. Don't get too excited. But you never know. Who said, please let me know if you're looking for a writer for your web blog. You have some really great articles, and I think... Pilau Gniara Sakai Wazawa Opeka Pila Guasaka de Domu Piel Giarasakai Wiziati Domawi. I would be a great asset. If you ever want to take some load off, I absolutely love to write some material for your blog in exchange for a link back to mine. Please send me an email if interested. Regards. Immediately, it is patently obvious that Mr. Kesselman has no idea what the dollops are about. Bearing in mind that the purpose of this project is for me to attempt 366 consecutive daily blogs during 2016, therefore, I am hardly likely to request the services of someone else to write the blog for me, as this would make the challenge completely void. Mr. Kesselman tells me that he has read my blog. You have some really great articles. Yet, still after reading the dollops, he seems to think that he would be able to write for me. The dollop that he commented on was all about the young'un's experience in a prison. Somehow, after reading all about my folk band's visit to a jail, he is still confident about being able to write for me. I might be doing him a disservice, and maybe he would be able to effectively mimic my style and write convincing blogs as if he was me. However, I think that this is very unlikely. He doesn't really do himself any favours by changing language halfway through his pitch. He starts off by telling me that he'd love to write for me, and then, halfway through his sentence, and just before he says what an asset he'd be to my blog, he suddenly goes into Polish. Even more odd is the fact that the English translation of this out-of-place string of Polish is nursing services. Nursing. Nurse homes. Nursing home visits. However, he has included his email address, and so I thought that I'd email him to make further inquiries. After all, he doesn't seem to want anything else in return apart from a link to his website, so it's maybe worth a punt. Hi, Guadeloupe. Thanks for your comment, and thanks for the kind words. I'm glad you enjoyed my articles. Given that you have read a few of my blogs, you will obviously be aware of the format and my style, and you will have no doubt gleaned various salient points which will help you write something that is in keeping with the kind of thing that I write about. You may wish to consult the young'un's website to find out when we are gigging. This will help make your imitation of me more authentic and credible, as it will avoid you writing about me being somewhere else when I was actually gigging, thus blowing our cover. My readers are naturally very discerning and astute, hence their choice of blog. Therefore, it's important to mirror my style as accurately as you can, lest our little arrangement should be uncovered. For this reason, while I appreciate your innovative approach to writing, transitioning mid-sentence from English to writing about nursing homes in Polish, I'm not sure that this would really suit the dollops. So I'd be grateful if you could just stick to writing in English if that's okay, and probably no mention of nursing homes unless you've got a punchline. Otherwise, it might get a bit confusing and arouse suspicions. Also, it would be great if you had some jokes about Wi-Fi-enabled kettles, as my listeners can't get enough of that stuff. I wonder if you'll still be interested after receiving this email. I'll keep you updated. Obviously, if he does read these blogs, as he claims to do, then he will know that I am on to him and realise that I know he's a spammer. We'll see what happens. Exciting news, Fiona. I am on another train. 
The ticket for my journey is an electronic one that I have downloaded onto my phone through an app. This is the first time that I have tried this. At the time that the app suggested this option to me, it seemed like a good idea, but now I've just remembered that my screen is severely cracked. And although the phone is still usable for me, I don't need to see the screen, it's very difficult for someone to actually see what's on it. I am therefore a bit unsure as to whether they will accept my ticket as valid if they can't really see it. Perhaps the ticket inspector will think that this is an elaborate scam and that I deliberately smashed my screen so as to be able to execute my fraudulent plan. But in fairness, this would be a highly elaborate way around not paying for a train ticket, or at least certainly if you relied on sight to use your phone, as you'd have to be sure that the price of getting a valid ticket would be less than the cost of repairing your phone's severely cracked screen. Otherwise, it would be a completely pointless exercise. Perhaps in future I can just have a photo of a ticket on my cracked screen, and I will then be able to travel for free all the time. And given that I can still use my phone without needing to see the screen, I won't be inconvenienced in the slightest, whereas a sighted person trying this trick would have to get their phone repaired after the scam had been carried out. Oh yes, my friends! Yet another amazing perk of being blind. Pretend not to be jealous. In fact, if you're a regular commuter, then you might want to consider blindness as a lifestyle choice, as it would be a highly effective money-saving initiative. If you became blind, then you'd automatically benefit from free bus travel as well. And then, even on the rare occasions that your cracked screen train ticket dodging scam doesn't work, you'd still get a third off the price of your ticket anyway, thanks to the disabled person's rail card that you'd now be eligible for. In fact, the more that I give this thought, the more logical this idea is. I can't believe that Martin Lewis and his cronies haven't thought of this one yet. In fact, the more I think about it, the more I believe that blindness could be a great economic initiative for the UK as a whole. It could completely fix and even significantly boost our country's economy if everyone became blind. Seriously, for a start, just think of all the money that we'd save once we turned off all the lights. Just think how much of a strain we'd take off the NHS if we didn't have to worry about eye care. Just think how much energy we'd save by turning off all the television channels and the transmitters. Come on, people, ask not what your country can do for you. It's time to get blind for Britain. If you really want to make Britain great, then you know what you need to do. Plus, if we are all blind, then automatically this solves all the xenophobia and the racism in the country because no one will be able to see colour. Thus, there will be no discernible difference between any of us. So, blindness will essentially create a completely egalitarian, problem-free utopia. There will be no need for art galleries, which means the space could then be used to house people. Thus, blindness will essentially eradicate homelessness. I defy any of you to come up with a single valid reason for why this isn't the most incredible idea for our country. Where there is no vision, the people shall perish, says the Bible. But quite frankly, Jesus was talking out of his arse. One of his lesser appreciated miracles, although it went down an absolute treat during parties, especially on those nights when he went mad and turned the water into wine again. But the Bible has it completely wrong, which I know may come as a bit of a shock, as obviously it's normally so bang on the money, especially all those lengthy passages about dirty menstruating women. Spot on, Bible. But actually, the opposite of that saying is true. Where there is no vision, the people shall prosper. So, people of Britain, we really can make Great Britain great. If you want to boost our economy and live in a more enlightened world of social equality and peace, then you know what you need to do. Everything I've outlined for our country is possible, and I'm sure that you're all very excited. But we need to be more than excited. It's time to be excited. You see what I did there? Well, yes, you did. And that's the problem. So come on, friends. What are you waiting for? Let's play a blinder for Britain. It's time for the Great British Blind Off. 
David's Daily Digital Dollop, Dollop 294. Is that the sound of your bedroom door in Hartlepool, David? Yes, it is. Well observed. And the title of today's Dollop is Bums the Word. And the reason for that is because we've been in primary schools for the last two weeks in Lancashire. We've been writing songs about Lancashire history and about people in Lancashire. We've had some great days in schools over the last two weeks. There was one particular school that uh, was a little bit strange. It was... uh, but in the morning we talked about a soldier from Lancashire, from Preston, where the school was based, who was shot in the First World War. He was rescuing some people, some civilians, essentially, and he was shot by a German gun. And we were telling this story, and we had his own personal letters to his family, to his wife, and there were some really moving things in there. And we thought we'd really got the tone. We'd really got the tone, and people seemed quite reflective, and it was all going really well. Because these personal letters were kind of, there was a bit in there where he was talking about he was in the trenches and he was thinking of his wife and at one point and there was like quite a few jokes in there his humour really came through and it's so odd reading these personal letters because these were never meant for us and so there's something very odd about thinking that we're reading these this person's letter who he, he wrote it and it's very emotional and he's writing it to his wife and at one point he's you know he's, jo- he's joking with her and then at one point he says can't wait to come home again and hopefully if I'm lucky it will be soon and we know that obviously he doesn't come home again and then he says something like the thought of being without you I have to stop writing now because I, I can't go on with the letter I am my eyes are full of tears and I can barely control the pain and you just think what an absolute messed up world we live in you know I'm kind of Hey, it's a cheerful one today, isn't it, everybody? <laughs> oh, but, you know, it's sort of really, really harrowing. So I think the children were, were getting that. And, um, and so we said, right, so after break, we're going to write a song. And they all sort of filed out and they were all... And the teacher was saying to us, you know, that's the quietest I've seen them. But in a good way, they're all engaged and they're all thinking and you can see the recognition in their eyes. And she said, you know, I've never seen them. Normally they, they do like to play up a bit, but today they've just been mesmerised. We thought, brilliant. We're going to have a great songwriting session after break. They have 15 minute run around in the playground. And then 15 minutes later, they come back in. What we often do is we give them a first line or something, just as an idea. And then we get them to rhyme with that word. And then once they find the rhyme, they then work backwards. They go, well, does that rhyme make sense? If it does make sense, how might it fit? How might it follow the previous line so it scans? So it's a good exercise rather than just going, here's your first line, what's your next line? I think the kids had obviously been so saddened and stunned by the power of what we'd done before. But then it became apparent that we'd clearly lost them when we'd gone to break. Their silliness had clearly returned again with a vengeance. And we said, so, we're looking for a word for gun. I was shot by a German gun. What could we say? And I'm thinking, you know, maybe they could say something like, um, I had to go and rescue someone, or something about not being able to outrun, or just something like that, you know. So you think, well, that's how you kind of work it out. So we said, right, we're looking for rhymes for gun. Have a bit of a think, have a few seconds think. Right, okay, put your hands up. Let's hear some of these rhymes. So we go to someone, he's got a massive smile on his face, and we think, oh, brilliant, you know, the enthusiasm. It's great to see we've kept the enthusiasm here. Right, what have we got? And he says, bum. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, I suppose, yeah, bum. You know, it does rhyme, but uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, okay, that's an interesting one. 
Um, what about you? And then point to somebody else. I was going to say bum as well. Okay, you were going to say bum. So then we go, oh, okay, uh, next person. Yeah, I was going to say bum. We're trying to work out how we can make this work. How, how on earth are we going to make the word bum work? It's a bit ridiculous. And of course, they're all giggling now. We're like, you know, how is bum going to work? And I'm thinking, I'll say this and there'll be a bit of a, you know, they'll sort of go, oh yeah, bum doesn't work, does it? It clearly doesn't work. Right, we've had our fun. Fun. You see, that would work. We've had our fun, but enough of the bum. But it didn't. They started then coming up with stuff. We could say that he was shot in his big fat bum. And I'm like, well, yeah, we, we, we could. I'm very in mind we're writing it from his viewpoint here. You know, we've got this great idea that we discussed 15 minutes ago about the fact that we were going to tell the story from his perspective using his letters. And these were going to be his final words as he was dying. He was going to be talk, talking to his wife in his head. This is what we decided. We're hardly going to say I was shot by a German gun. It hit me in my big fat bum. Of course, I thought that was absolutely brilliant. So, so then they've all still got their hands up. And I'm like, right, okay, look. I said, look, we only want people who've got other rhymes than bum. So keep your hands up if you've got something else. And let's hear some of these other rhymes. And of course, everybody put their hands down. So it turned out everybody had the idea of bum. So everyone's hands go down. Right. So then we had to start again with that one. And then it happened again the, the next time. It was something like, it breaks my heart to leave you. And it sort of said that in the letter. And of course, we thought that had poignance as well with the fact that he was now dying. So it breaks my heart to be leaving you. What have we got? And immediately everyone's hands went up. And as a joke, I said, right, and you can immediately put your hands down if your idea is poo. And 80% of the class put their hands down, all with a kind of a... Oh. I don't know what happened in that 15 minutes. They were really with us, and then all of a sudden they were like, oh, bum, poo, <laughs> let's have that, come on. Dear wife, I'm sorry, hun, but a German got me with his gun. He hit me in me big fat bum. Well, that's me buggered, that's me done. It breaks my heart to be leaving you. It hurts more than a massive... Who? So that would have been their song if they'd been left to their own devices, I think. Fortunately, though, it wasn't. Um, we got a good song in the end, and the kids kind of returned to normality. I think we might have to rethink Monday. We were going to do it about a famous Lancashire banker called Chuck. But, uh, yeah, starting, I think that might not be the best idea. David's Daily Digital Dollop Dollop 295. Ill Eagle. I am ill. Hence the hilarious and ever so clever dollop title. Ill, as in the medical sense of the word, rather than in the more positive urban street badass way. Although, let's be honest, I tick that box as well. Just to make sure that I haven't confused things even more here with my attempts of clarification. By badass, I meant that in the urban street sense. I don't have anything wrong with my ass. Sorry, I just thought I'd better clarify, actually, that when I said I don't have anything wrong with my ass, I meant that I don't have anything wrong with my backside, as opposed to referring to my donkey, who is, incidentally, now that we're on the subject, feeling a tad under the weather at the moment. I just thought I'd better explain this just in case I'd managed to add further confusion in my attempts to offer further clarification about my first clarification. So, just to be clear then, I am ill in the medical sense of the word rather than the urban street badass sense of the word, but my illness has nothing to do with my backside. All right? Sorry, I know this is a bit of a ridiculous opening paragraph, but in my defence, I am ill. I think we've established that, haven't we? Also, in my defence, it is very difficult to write today's dollop as the three of us are in the tiny young'un's van, which is so cramped that I've had to angle the laptop so that it's side-on with half of it on my lap and half of it on Michael's lap. If I have the laptop straight, then it blocks Sean's access to the gear stick. And while I admit that you might be able to describe this as a car crash dollop, at least it's only figuratively so. Whereas one false move from me and the laptop, just imagine what would happen if we did have a fatal crash. The police would find my laptop perched on top of our dead bodies and they would read what was on the screen and they'd find the first paragraph of today's dollop and tears of great sorrow would well up in their eyes as they considered what a tragic loss the literary and comedy world had just suffered. 
Fortunately, I'm managing to generally keep the laptop away from any of the driving controls. Although there have been a few moments on the occasion that Michael coughs or sneezes, causing the precariously perched laptop to fly to the side and towards Sean. So I hope you appreciate the kind of sacrifices that I make for you with this project. These half-hearted, cobbled-together semi-jokes about donkeys and backsides are being generated under life-threatening conditions. So think on that before you judge. But we may have managed to stay alive, but I feel like death, as I have a massive cold and a really sore throat and a headache. There is no time to rest, however, and recover, because we've been performing all day at Hartlepool's Folk Festival. After a whole day of events, we are now in the van, heading to Burnley. We should arrive in Burnley at 12.30 in the morning. We'll then have to be up at 8 in the morning to start another five days of songwriting with schoolchildren. Even though I've been feeling terrible all day, I seem to miraculously improve when the time comes to perform, and I get a massive adrenaline kick while I'm on stage, meaning that the pain completely disappears. This is very useful, but it means that my body punishes me big time after the performance, and I am now feeling really shit. Fortunately, the thought of spending a week with hundreds of small children shouting bum and poo in my face is cheering me up no end, and is obviously a great medicinal tonic. Oh, bloody hell. The thought is almost making me consider angling my laptop to the right slightly and bringing on the sweet release of death. Tune in tomorrow to find out what happens. So, David's Daily Digital Dollop Dollop 296. We are in an Indian restaurant, another Indian restaurant. Michael Hughes. Oh, no, no, I shouldn't say. I should maybe a little game that people have to guess who's the drunkest young'un. But um, I've already given it away now. It is Michael Hughes. Hello, Michael. Hello, David Andrigo. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. Questions that you've done the piece, David. Oh, yes. Good, I like good name. We haven't decided if that's an official collective name, but as we are on dollop 296, I think if we're going to afford a collective name, yes. we should have really decided by now. Well, so let's go for dollopies. Indeed, that interjection was so long, I've forgototten what the question was. Thank you. <laughs> okay, thank you. Andy Val. So let me just explain who's here. We have piece. myself. Obviously, David Eagles. Um, Sean Cooney, who will be doing a qu- posing a question for Dollar Piece in a second. Michael Hughes is the drunkest of the group. And our producer and sound man, Andy Bell. Question for the Dollar Piece. Go on, the question with the dollar peas. Well, yes. Indestructible five pound note. With oh, yeah. Oh, we've got a bit of a brag to make, haven't we? Well, I'd, I'd love to be Go able on. to say it if you'd let me. Go on. I will. Go indeed. on. I have not it's started, all, but one I thing to with the dollar it's all about creating drama yes. and creating oh, suspense. We've got drama, David. We certainly well, have. I was told by my uh, sister's boyfriend yeah. a couple of days ago that if you were uh, to have. If you were to have, yeah. Yeah, it, thank you, David. Yeah. That if you were. Lucky enough to get a new five-pound note. If you're lucky enough to get a new five-pound note, yeah. I, re- well, I interrupted. I understood exactly no, what I was saying. I interrupted that because Michael made a silly noise. Just, Just wanted to make sure oh, people heard that above right. the mi- above Michael's weird noise. Now, on each new five-pound note, yeah. On the left-hand side, vertical to Churchill's cheekbone. Feel free to study your own five-pound notes as we talk here. Follow along at home. I will. I, indeed, I am. Are you talking to the listeners? Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hello, everybody. Uh, hope you both well. Yeah, very good, very good. Very good. They all seem to begin with the letter A. Right. But my sister's boyfriend told me two days ago yes. that if nearly three days, days ago, that's a lot of stories, David. If yours begins with double A, then it's very valuable. And apparently, right. the word is that 
People have been selling Funny. double uh, five pound notes on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> Contribution, Michael. Excellent. For a sum of up to five hundred pounds, people have been paying for five pound notes okay. with a double A. Well, we now, have one. Look, well, you don't, David, because it belongs hey, to me. Hang on a minute. Yeah. It's a Youngham's five pound note, no, Julie. No, it's not. Indeed, no, it's mine. Come on. It's <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder if any of the dollar bees would like to offer a higher bid, maybe. Because well, surely the idea is these are going to get rarer and rarer. And not only now is it a £5 note, but it's a £5 note that has graced the hands of Sean Cooney. It has. And now David Eagle. Michael Hughes will touch it. Andy Bell might even kiss it. Um, uh, and he might even touch the £5 note as well. Hey, hey, hey. Oh. Now, David Eagle. Yes. So that'll put the price up even more. I have some very poignant news for you. Yes. Dead or alive singer Pete Burns oh. died at the age of 57. So he's dead. Now, in tribute yeah. to that, Davis. And you know what? Apparently, uh, there was another singer, uh, there was another person from Dead or Alive, and when they put him in his grave, they put him in his grave the wrong way, and they had to spin him right round. Yeah. Right round like a record. Uh, thank you. I hope this is still recording because it did tell me my battery was low. That would be a massive shame to have missed this. We'd just be wasting our time having a conversation. You're singing harmony. To Dead or Alive. So here we go. In tribute for Dead or Alive. Yes, here we go. <coughs> you spin me right round, baby, right round. Like a record, baby, right round, round, round. How do you think of that for the new album, Andy? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone know what else Dead or Alive sang? No, I don't know what I can think of. Oh, what's that? Bon Jovi track, Dead or Alive. Oh, Dead or Alive. I wonder if that's what they came out on the stage. So that would be quite good, wouldn't it? Which came first, though? You spin me right round on the John Bon Jovi track. John Bon Jovi. Surely the John Bon Jovi track, because that was always the 80s. It was John Bon Jovi early 80s, maybe? Uh, no, John Bon Jovi was probably like late 80s. Oh, well, in that case. Well, Dead Well, spinning me right round must have been like 1987 or something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was 97 or something like that. No, it was not 97. It was an 80s track. No. Yes, it bloody well was. Michael, Google. Oh, definitely 90s. No, it wasn't the 80s. No. It was 80s. I'm going to score for 87. I'm going for 97. 97 for Randy. It's David Eagle. Well, I'll clear it up. Okay. 1985, the year that we... No, idiot. Andy, you were 12 years out. 84 there, I think so. It wasn't 84, it was 85, mate. Mr. Giddy. It was 83, but if we had a tip, then... Papa 30 we were born that year. Yeah. That was the thing. They always said the four great things that happened that year, the three of us being born and dead or alive, you spin me right round. As the old adage goes, that's why I knew when it was. Thank you very much. Oh, we thank you. We can sell those yeah, on eBay along with our five pound notes. <laughs> Good night. Good night. So, as well as uh, the man from Dead or Alive dying, Bobby V. Apparently died as well. As in, like a rubber ball, I come bouncing back oh, to yeah, you. He, did, yeah. he died today as well. And obviously the guy from. Well, he, uh, he wasn't. He wasn't. Uh, Army Davis. Oh yeah, he died as well. When they first told me, I thought, who do you think you're kidding? But no, it turns out it was true. As we've sang Dead or Alive in tribute to that, we should now sing a bit of Rubber Ball.
Oh, yes. Like a rubber ball, I come bouncing back to you. A rubber ball, I come bouncing back to you. Uh oh, uh oh. Bouncy, bouncy. Let's do a harmony on the bouncy, bouncy. 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 Yeah, he was. Uh, on death's door for a while, and they thought he was going to make a recovery, but unfortunately, he couldn't bounce back. <laughs> he couldn't bounce back, could he? Uh, uh, oh, uh, love a good pun. Excellent. Good I mean, that wasn't one, but. Uh, about someone who's dead. <laughs> it's the best, my favourite thing. My favourite two things in the world are puns and taking the piss out of dead people. Anybody else who's died in the last day? We've done that. Who do you think you are kidding, Mr. Hitler? If you think we're on the run, it's on the run first, isn't it? We are the boys who will stop your little game. We are the boys who will make you think again. But who do you think you are kidding, Mr. Hitler? If you think all England's done. Well, the other Jimmy Perry, if you're one of our dead people at punch, because he didn't just write Dad's Army. Go on, Sean. Go on, Sean. Yeah, die die Very good. That's the uh, the Irish version, I think, wasn't it? Daidi dai. And they wanted to put it on. They wanted to put it on, but yeah, they wanted to put it on. But unfortunately, the the price was too high. And he um, and he said, Daidi dai a diddledum. That's what they say. It's not a work. So I couldn't quite think of it. Yeah, we're back to the mill. But this dollop has been far from run of the mill. Yes, well but we said, are back Davis. to the mill where we dollop from it's again. A lovely dollop, actually. This it's one. been a good one for another week of schools. Yes. And um, we should be back tomorrow for I think it's a dollop two hundred and ninety-five. So yeah, we're back tomorrow. No, is it? Oh, is it two hundred ninety-six? I think it's two ninety-six. I can't do your research, Michael. Where's your Google in there? I'll find out for you now. I can never remember which one we're on. <laughs> Last one. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, I might be dead. You might be singing a tribute to me. What would we sing in tribute? I don't know, I nearly fell over there. That could have been the end of me. I thought I was going to die yesterday. So what would my tribute be? I need an eagle song, really, or something. Well, there is. There's a, a Sheffield Carol that yeah. involves eagles, isn't there? Isn't it? Is it? Uh, on the... Oh, what is it? 296, David. Is that today? It's today. Well, Will, by Dollop 297, Will Andy have remembered the eagle carol? Well, I think um, Eagle's Wings has got to be the one. Eagle's Wings? Eagle's Carol. Raise you up on <laughs> Eagle's Wings. Bear you on the breath of dawn. Make you to shine on the sun. And on you will be What is Raise You Up On Eagle's Wings? I'm trying to remember what the song is. It's a hymn, isn't it? Good Catholic Catholic boys that we are. Dad will appreciate that. He listens to the dollops. My Catholic father. Hope you appreciated that, Dad. Your in the presence of the Lord. (laughs) You hooked.
party is shut off online. It's just three hours later now, ladies and gentlemen. The Lord, my refuge. My trust. And you will raise you up on eagle's wings. Where you want the breath of the old Made you resign all the sun And all you in the love Of his own The peddler, the soldier Will never threaten you Not a Biden is present And he will raise you up on eagles' wings. Many one, right upon, make you the sign like the sun. Oh. Uh.